0: And now, part two of Alan Forbes and Patrick Hawkins' review of Marvels. Yep. So, book three, we have uh, Galactus' invasion and the um, the public's somewhat uh, turn on the non mutants. There's uh, some somewhat of a. Um, What's the word? They're a little disheartened in their heroes to some degree.
1: Well, it's, not, it, it's distrust.
0: Distrust, yes.
1: It is an it is incredible distrust, too. Man, this amb-
0: Almost to some degree like when um, you had a popular politician and then he didn't fulfill campaign promises. Um, people were like, oh, it's so-and-so's fault, the one who's in office, you know. They they maybe thought they were going to make a big change, and then all of a sudden they realize, oh, this is just a person. And it's still the original system.
1: And I, I that too, and I think again, the fact of the matter is, is that put it in the context too of okay, this was the first time Galactus hit the Earth. Yeah. And those of you who may not know, Galactus, of course, you know, was a uh, was is a cosmic entity that devours the life energy of planets, mm-hmm. and he is nigh impossible to stop mm-hmm. and he shows up and new Yorkers like oh wow oh okay well the fantastic four gotta kick his ass and then they don't right as it happened in the comics they the the fantastic four got their asses handed back to them mm-hmm. and then there's you know the silver surfer and what happened in that storyline which curiously enough i i do not worship the first Galacticus story as as a lot of people do mostly because it's really the silver surfer story Mm -hmm. it really is in the comic you know the Silver Surfer comes on down oh this planet will be nice for my master galactus to eat and then the fantastic four kind of like trying to figure out what to do and then alicia convinces the silver surfer that humanity is worth saving yeah and so he turns on his master and et cetera et cetera Mm -hmm. but the perspective of the people downstairs is again they aren't reading the comic as we Mm. read it all they see is they see this big giant guy after this the 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 world is covered in flames and rocks Mm -hmm. as an illusion all they know is is that something is going on and this being said I will you know I will devour I will eat all of you yeah have a nice day, mm-hmm. you know, and and then that, that's kind of it. And they see and the, again,
0: all taking place on a high rise yeah. in the middle of New York City.
1: And they see the heroes go after them, and then the heroes fail, mm-hmm. and then people aren't sure what the heck is going on, and people are, just get convinced. I guess this is it. Yeah, you know, people really, you know, and and Phil, and Phil just he tries to cover it for a while, and then he himself convinced that. This is really it. We're all going to die. So mm-hmm. he just, he decided, I'm going to go home and be with my family. Right. And there's a great montage of some people getting drunk, some people partying, you know. There's a guy, was some rich dude who's throwing his money out to everybody. I've been a sinner my whole life. Here, take it, take it all. <laughs> he's trying to, trying, to re, trying to get to heaven. Yeah. So he's convinced he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And there's a great bit, too, where, like, the old guy, li- the old guy in the car, and they're listening to the radio. And the old guy says, you know what? They need to find Captain America. You know, he'll fix this. Right. You just find Captain America and he'll fix this. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, do it. also is an interesting thing too, which is in comics, we know, well, at that time the Avengers was off doing this, mm-hmm. but to the people on the street, if yeah. they existed there,
0: they don't know this. Well, also us as comic book fans, there is, what does Captain America do to Galactus? Yeah. You know, it's like, the, yeah, the person on the street is like, Captain America always comes out the victor. Mm-hmm. But us as comic book fans, like, what? What is he going to do? He's going to lift a, 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 yeah. a truck tire and throw it at mm-hmm. Galactus.
1: And yeah, you got uh, Charles Kuralt, uh mm-hmm. you know, on the news talking about like a state of panic and knowing what he wants to do. And this is not a this is not a spoiler to give away in um, for the original FF comic, but when Galactus is driven away, mm-hmm. Kirby draws it as a, as a very interesting thing. But curiously enough, when Ross portrays it as captured by news cameras Mm -hmm. and stuff it is very anti it is extremely anticlimactic and people are like that's it Mm -hmm. you know mr Mm -hmm. fantastic just stuck a cigarette lighter uh, a zippo lighter (laughs) in the guy's face and the guy freaked out and then he he took off right and it's almost like it wasn't good enough for the people like they wanted Mm -hmm. to see the big giant guy get his ass kicked right yeah. And it was unsettling although I I geeked hard um this when when the second time when the Fantastic Four attack him and when Galactus is about ready to activate his machine to start driving through they're like this is it we're going to die Yeah, and they're like and then it shows the thing on the roof of it smashing it. Mhm. I love that panel. Yeah. Because everybody is like cuz there's a the guys like people are like go, 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 you right, know, right. and they're, they're cheering the thing that mm-hmm. they established was not a popular member of the Fantastic Four because he was ugly and hideous. Right, And, um, it's, it's, it's heroism because it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great, it's a great deal. Uh, it adds great gravitas because it really reminds you that the Fantastic Four were trying to save the planet. Right.
0: And the, 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 the thing, cause yeah, all was lost and the yes. thing was a, a glimmer of hope. Yes. Yes. It was There's that the thing, it showed that Galactus wasn't completely invulnerable. Yes. Because he whacks him in the face, he knocks him off the building. Yep. So it's like, oh, the tide is turning. Yeah. The tide's not really turning. No, it doesn't. But uh, but it was that glimmer of hope in the middle of the uh, the the doomsday event. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, uh, when we when you read the regular comics and the, the villain, you know, like interrupting the TV show saying, you know, ah, I will destroy the world at midnight. Mm-hmm. It gets commonplace for us, but again, right. the great thing about the series is is that it really it, re- it resets the emotional, I think, weight to comic book stories. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's hard to maintain the rare comic book stories, but it does kind of remind you, hey, if this stuff really happens, mm-hmm. this is kind of what people like me and you would probably, we'd be, be in this position. Right. We wouldn't be up there saying, all right, well, this is what we could try to do, or whatever. We're not going to be Phil Coulson come up with ideas yeah. how to do this. We're going to be like, well, well em- you, em- do you want to get drunk or do you want to screw? Em- We've we got 10 minutes left until the world ends.
0: Emotions run wild. Mm-hmm. And, and things that you would say and do Without those emotions in play, happen, mm-hmm. and um, you know, again, I read this in a pre nine eleven world, and yeah. I'm reading it now in a post nine eleven world, and I'm like, wow, I've I've been there now, yeah, to some degree. Uh, so that's the, that's a fascinating, things. and that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's
1: it's it's the feeling of helplessness, right? It's the feeling of helplessness, and these people are 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 fighting for us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they succeed, mm-hmm. but they won't tell us anything, right? You know, and yeah. it creates that ire. You know, it's like Jay Jonah Speculation. Jameson. Speculation. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson thinks it was also uh, a hoax anyway, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Well, well, what gives?" You know, and 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 if you read the Fantastic Four comic, yeah, Reed Richards wasn't going to tell people oh, that thing I held in front of him Mm -hmm. could destroy the universe. Right. (laughs) It was the ultimate nullifier, Mm -hmm. and it could literally destroy everything if I flipped the switch. So So I gambled Mm -hmm. with all of our lives and the lives of the entire universe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I said, if you don't leave Galactus, I'm going to kill everyone and everything. Right. Yeah, he couldn't
0: say that. No. (laughs) (laughs) And... Well, he could, but it would make things worse. Wouldn't that be interesting, though, if, if they actually brought Reed before Congress and they're like, so what was that little cigarette lighter you were using? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm sorry, I cannot divulge the uh, information that you
1: need. You don't want to know, Senator. <laughs> you don't want to. That Weirdly, is
0: classified information even to you.
1: There was, uh, in the 80s, there was a, uh, I think it was a Fantastic Four annual, mm. or maybe an Avengers annual, where the Fantastic Four are brought before Congress to explain the Inhumans. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, uh, there's some, uh, a satellite picks up, uh, this is when they move to the moon and uh, they're brought before, uh, you know, they're brought before the United Nations actually. And they're like, um, Dr. Richards, can you explain this? okay well they're called the Inhumans, and they're this that whatever and they used to be they used to be set up in Tibet and there's a guy from the from the China delegation who's was like what we had heard rumors about these 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 freaks out of there but you actually knew about them all the time you didn't tell us mm-hmm. you know and I I think that's indicative of it too it's like we we as a people we want yeah we always want to know facts we always right. want to know blame we mm-hmm. always want to know yeah 911 mm-hmm. Columbine right we and and we as a society we really we can't handle that a bunch of things broke down. We always got to lay the finger on one particular thing. Yeah. And and the man on the st- people on the street don't get that satisfaction. Yeah. They don't get that uh so what was that guy or, or was he real or was he fake or mm-hmm. was he this or whatever And the cigarette lighter and you don't get well, that. Well
0: people try to fill in the blanks is the thing. Yeah, so, so people get stuff. Yeah,
1: so people get justified. people mm-hmm. get so, and yeah, there's the beginnings of suspicion
0: Mm -hmm. you know speaking of which back to the story is um phil's very upset with all these people that are kind of blaming the superheroes who are basically our saviors Mm -hmm. and then the backdrop uh towards the towards the end of the story is peter parker selling uh photos of spider-man depicting him as a villain. To, to placate J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, yeah. And Phil Shone's like, what a little punk.
1: Oh, yeah. He hates Peter Parker Peter Parker's and hey, JJ, I got some new pictures. they make Spider Man look terrible. Like, <laughs> and it's a <there's> great. <laughs> very Ditko esque picture of, of, of Ross does of Jameson like leering over yes. the pictures, like sneering, <laughs> like, Ah, these are great Parker yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's that that's it's it's quint- it's quintessential Spider Man and the relationship and everything else. And, and, and-
0: in classic comic book fashion too. Bill Sheldon says, if I were Spider-Man, I'd beat the stuffing out of that little weasel Parker.
1: And again, too, this comes to the fact we know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Right. We know the scam he's been doing for years on mm-hmm. it, too. But from somebody who didn't know, right. and just all of a sudden, you know, it's like this this high school kid struts in all the time. He's got pictures of Spider-Man. He's like some creepy stalker type kid or whatever. And yeah, he is weasely, and he is he's arrogant, a, and he a a is
0: a punk. Opportunistic profiteering. Yeah. Kid. yeah. Yeah,
1: if you re- if you if you didn't know better and mm-hmm. you looked at Peter Parker from an again, from an outsider's man on the street perspective, sure. somebody just doesn't doesn't know any better,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Phil's assessment of him is dead on perfect. Right. If, you, and the if, way, if you're way, siding
0: with Spider-Man, absolutely.
1: And the way Peter struts on in, he's always like, "Hey, Jameson has some pictures that make him look
0: awful,"
1: you know? But we don't <laughs> know deep inside Peter is like, <laughs> "Oh, skin flint if he only knew, you <laughs> know." <laughs>
0: All right. So, anything else on book three? Book three is,
1: yeah, it it it, 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 yeah, it, it, it sets, it sets it up, it sets up for the beginning of the turn. Mm-hmm. You know, then the the previous book, and I find interesting too that um, the fan, the Fantastic Four play so heavily into it, and nowadays again, people don't realize. The context that in the '60s the Fantastic Four was the book. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was. It was the. It was. It really was the best thing that's uh, uh, all. Everything that Stan and Jack were collaborating on.
0: The world's greatest comic magazine. It
1: was. The. They, they, yeah. It really, really was. I mean, the Fantastic Four was the under Kirby and 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 Lee at that time was the first comic book that college campuses were doing lectures and stuff about hmm. early on or doing seminars and and people you know people above you know were starting to read this and be like this is this is good shit this is good entertaining shit for grown-ups and kids and let's not forget you know George R R Martin you know it's like his first published work was a a fan letter to Fantastic 4 hmm and i believe issue 78 or something like that it's like mm-hmm. like dear Marvel bullpen i really enjoyed oh, that yeah. Yes. yeah the guy yeah the guy yeah the guy who did you know like game, game of, of thrones, thrones. He wrote as a, a kid well yeah he <laughs> he was he was a fan of this stuff mm-hmm. so that and again too over the years of course you know popularity rises and falls and then in the 70s 80s it became x men and then in the 90s nothing made sense cuz it was all mm-hmm. image and now, of course, the, the, the push is on Avengers because of the cinematic efforts. But yeah, really, in the Silver Age, all around, if you ask any of the experts, you know, it's like if you had to pick one comic from the Silver Age that was like the best and most reflective of the 60s, mm-hmm. they're always going to point the finger at it's like the first, like the entire run of Kirby and Lee mm-hmm. on, on Fantastic Four.
0: So, book four. Book four. Book four is the Gwen Stacy issue. Uh, we see the cover is Spider-Man's eye, which uh, is a lens uh, in Alex Ross fashion. Mm-hmm. Reflection of uh, Gwen Stacy unconscious being held by the Green Goblin.
1: And I, I really like his version of the Green Goblin, too. Mm-hmm. I like uh it's, You can uh, see
0: Norman's eyes. You can see his eyes under yellow lenses. Um, And still, the face is similar to what you see in the comic book. It it has expression. It looks like a face. It is not a hard mask. Um, Still, movie makers are (laughs) finding it difficult to represent this uh, cinematically.
1: I legitimately like the Raimi Goblin. I, I've got a record Sam and Ramey. I've defended that. The Sam Raimi Goblin. Some mm-hmm. people have called it the Power Ranger Green Goblin. Mm-hmm.
0: The helmet, yeah.
1: And I, I, I guess I can go along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, But to me, it works.
0: Yeah, I think but the yeah. problem with it is Willem Dafoe's expression is completely lost. There's that one scene where he rolls back the lenses and you can see his eye expression. You can kind of see his fa- uh, his mouth behind the screen of the... Uh, Which I love. Yeah, behind I really the screen like that. of the mouth. But that's all you're gonna get. Whereas, if something looks a little bit more like what Alex Ross presents, um, you could get away with more of a uh, an expression of the villain. Now, how and do you justify that in the movie? You know that that remains to be seen. Well,
1: Ross did do uh, some costume designs for one of the earlier proposed versions of the Spider-Man movie. That's right. He did the he did a simplified uh, Spider-Man's costume, mm-hmm. which became very. Later on it was very evocative of, of Miles's Spider-Man costume mm-hmm. or, or even Superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. They both had they both looked very much like uh, Ross's in, uh, interpretation of it. But he also did, I'm pretty sure he also did um, a a as conceptual design for Green Goblin as well mm-hmm. too, which was
0: very traditional looking. Right. So book 4 we have Book
1: 4 is interesting because it it it's kind of the, the tail end of the 60s and mm-hmm. the early beginnings of what we knew to be the 70s. Yeah.
0: We have... Um, so Phil Sheldon's book has been published. It's a big hit. Mm-hmm. Um, a little it's bit basically
1: a-, a coffee table book of all of his, his, his photography of the Marvels over the years, and he's dabbled into writing now, too. And... Another
0: Easter egg to point out on the side of the truck passing by that says Face of a Murderer Spider-Man. You have a couple of Beatles walking on the streets of New York City. Yeah, you've got uh, some mutton chops on Paul McCartney, and I'm not sure is that George Harrison
1: who's up front here? That's Harrison. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Phil Sheldon dealing with his success. Uh, little stuff with a uh, Black Widow on trial. Um,
1: a lot of people tend a lot of people forget too that yeah, Black Widow. Black Widow started as a villainess. Right. You now she was a villainess, and she was a red
0: spy. Oh, yeah. No denying, she was Russian as well. And she was,
1: yeah. She her whole her whole her whole thing was she was sent over by her communist masters to mm-hmm. steal as much information of the capitalist Iron Man's armor as she possibly could, or destroy him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and 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 she she was comics' first. Tw- I think, I think she did the first. I think she did the first true heel face turn in comics.
0: Okay, because Submariner was not started out as a Submariner heel.
1: has always been right. a, a schizophrenic heel face heel face heel face heel right. face heel-face. Heel yeah. But
0: he was essentially the core character, so in that respect, he had to be introduced as a hero to some degree. So she He Black was a protagonist. Widow, uh, Black Widow was introduced as a foil. She was yeah, she
1: was she started she started as a heel and then she turned baby face and mm-hmm. she's never gone back.
0: Right, that is true.
1: And now it's almost to the point where you know, they almost I think they want to just kind of like let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting too because she's been through so many. Because originally she didn't wear a costume at all. She was yeah. just you know Romanov, the, the the you know the, and she had she had awesome 60s, sexy sexy sixties bun hair. <laughs> it was great, and she was dark haired.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's she was right.
1: dark-haired, and then I guess her natural color is red or something to that effect. I know it's mm-hmm. never really adequately shown, but yeah, the whole point of the matter is is that she was she was on trial and stuff, so, and then they they experimented with her um, in little backups. Uh, Marvel in the in the late sixties had a bunch of various. Marvel Super Action, which was, like, the first, pa- first like, 16 pages would be a Khazar story, and mm-hmm. then the second 16 pages would be Black Widow, or even solo stories with Doctor Doom, which were actually really freaking good. Mm. Yeah, it was like, Red Skull would take over Latveria when he was away, or something cockamamie like that, mm-hmm. and he would, like, kick Red Skull out of Latveria and stuff, and it's...
0: Uh- the uh, the crux of this story is the death of Captain uh, police Captain Stacy yes during a fight with uh, Doctor Octopus and Spider Man,
1: which was a, a a turning point in uh, in Spider Man too. Um, people don't realize it now, but yeah, Captain Gwen Stacy was a very very interesting and important character to to Peter Parker's life. He became he became a new Uncle Ben to Peter. Mm-hmm. And and it could almost be argued that Peter Worley really wasn't dating Gwen as much <laughs> as he was with her so he could just hang out with Captain Stacy, who was just the archetypal, level-headed, nice guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he smoked a pipe. He was, very, he was a police captain, and you could get the idea that he could kick ass, but he was very not like the other police. He, he was not a New York cop, as you would have envisioned him in the late 60s, early 70s. He mm-hmm. was very thoughtful. He was very open-minded. You know, even J. Jonah Jameson at his funeral said, he was a little too liberal for my taste, but damn it, Robbie, he was a good man. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man's gonna pay for killing him, you know? and and And... and, and and yeah when he when he when he passed away Peter was was devastated. Yeah.
0: And yet another thing too it's um we now have the amazing Spider-Man movies that have been out uh, Dennis Leary portrays this character. Mm-hmm. So again for for the layman for the person who doesn't read comic books well, have you seen Amazing Spider-Man? Because it's Dennis Leary's character. That's yeah. the one we're talking about dying. And now we're, we're interviewing the Emma Stone character and, and, and her it, take it, on it. And,
1: and it. and it was curious, too, because in the comics at the time, too, it looked like they were leading towards a new status quo for Spider-Man where, okay... Gwen Stacy is gonna be his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and Captain Stacy is basically gonna be his Commissioner Gordon, because mm. as Spider-Man he would get like help and assistance or information from him, mm-hmm. and then as Peter he would kind of get that fatherly sort of influence that maybe he was still, for lack of a better term, maybe yearning for or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, in true Spider-Man fashion, the rug kind of got pulled out, yeah. and you know he, he died. And again, too, he was as Spider-Man always is. He was blamed for it. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about this, too, is that the public and everybody is blaming Spider-Man for his death because he happened to be there. And Phil Sheldon is like, he's trying to get to the bottom of it. And Spider-Man, just like he is to the Marvel person on the street, is an enigma even to Phil. Mm -hmm. And he always has been. And, again, this plays up on Spider-Man's classic outsider status. Right. For some... for. uh, it could just be as simple as the fact of the matter is that, yes, people think that spiders are icky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even as kids, in the previous book, they're playing the superheroes. Yeah, hey, I'm Thor, and you be Spider-Man. No, spiders are icky. Blah. Right. And, again, this has always been Spider-Man's unfortunate lot, is that he's always been the outlaw hero who mm-hmm. never never got accepted. Yet, curiously enough, there's a great scene where Phil's like, uh... The media and everybody are blaming Spider-Man for Captain Stacy's death, but then he goes to the cops and he's like, "Look, Captain Stacy was one of us. As it is, we," and yeah. they they tell Phil, "It's like, uh, yeah, we we just want to question Spider-Man, but we do not think he had anything to do with it mm-hmm. because they had they have forensic evidence." And this plays up in the fact of the matter is too is that yeah, the cops never really went after Spider-Man. They would for a while and then. Mm-hmm whatever he was immediately framed for or whatever you know he would get cleared up on mm-hmm. but for the most part the New York cops were like yeah it's it's and again kind of The power of the Daily Bugle Mm -hmm. and Jameson's, you know, hate boner for Spider-Man, right? And how he always like painted him out to be. The the two
0: were at odds. You had the 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 J Jonah Jameson slander or libel articles, I should say, Mm -hmm. and you had the policemen on the streets, one of whom was like, "Hey, I got to feed my family. I I want this reward that Jameson's putting out or Mm -hmm. whatever." Versus, oh, there's remember that group of thieves that we. Had webbed up with the friendly yeah. neighborhood Spider-Man note pinned to them. Well, the,
1: the, he goes to the detectives, and they're just like, "Look, it's just yeah."
0: They, they wouldn't take us to even say, "Don't believe
1: everything you read in the papers,"
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
1: but again, too, at that time, mm-hmm. the newspapers
0: were so powerful.
1: Were powerful, and that's what everybody kind of believed in. Mm-hmm. And it and was I and I, I, I yeah, and it's I been and vetted. and and the the, the notion, the mm-hmm. notion of. Uh, a, a heavily slanted newspaper was very foreign at the time mm-hmm. We're used. we know the deal with Fox news. Sure. We know the deal with MSNBC mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we, we know that there are preferences and prejudices on that. Right. But in the sixties, a mm-hmm. newspaper, the notion that one would be so heavily slanted and bending the facts mm-hmm. and maybe tweaking things. And again, slanting stuff yeah. to an agenda. Mm hmm was was pretty shocking and pretty... It did go on mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, Hurst, Randall Hurst used to do it all the time. But for the right. most part, the fact that it was fixated on Spider-Man and it was the bane of Spider-Man's existence. But and I, the even greater irony, too, is that J. Jonah Jameson is not an evil man.
0: Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, is though, like, people would identify something as an editorial. You're editorializing. Yes. So Jay being the editorial editor yes of said newspaper well if the publisher he- not the editor robbie oh, was the publisher robbie right. would tell robbie him was the
1: jonah if you want to publish this then you do it on an editorial page right all right, all right robbie i right, fine you know mm-hmm. you know even though jameson was the publisher it could fire him mm-hmm. and this this is this is why i love about jay jonah jameson i could talk mm-hmm. jay jameson is one of my favorite and i think one of the most people realize he is he is incredibly nuanced mm-hmm. and that's why I love so much about the Raimi movie when Greg Goblin breaks on in and starts throttling him and he's like, who sends the pictures? I don't know. Right. right. It he, would have been very easy for mm-hmm. somebody who didn't understand Jameson and be like, that kid over there. You know, right. it's like, no, no, Throw take him, him and get out of here. What? Yeah, but mm-hmm. he defends him. And that's yeah. what J. Jonah Jameson mm-hmm. would have done.
0: At his heart, he's a good person. At his
1: heart, he is, he is as much a hero as, as everybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. But... Just kind of that same way that Dr. Doom has an unfortunate hate boner for Reed Richards. If he just didn't have that.
0: At, and that's at the core of this story, too, because his one of his closest friends, Phil Sheldon, he lost an eye as a result of these yeah. these characters that just fly around willy nilly.
1: Jameson was the best man at Phil's wedding.
0: Right. You know? So it, it gives an idea of the two different takes you can do mm-hmm. on these characters, whereas Phil Sheldon's like, you know, totally accepts these heroes, even though he was the victim of of one of their fights. JJ is like no I I don't want this to happen to anyone else. Yeah.
1: There's a great this story has a great contextual almost post Watergate mm-hmm. vibe to it. When truly you could argue some people argue that uh, America's innocence was lost when Kennedy was shot and mm. I think I I think that was that was still looked at as the lone nut type of thing. And again, mm-hmm. America and culturally we could Sorry, I know this is a comic thing, but bear mm-hmm. with us. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, go on. <laughs> but, but but that would that would that was explained away as the lone nut, even though later on we had differences. But Watergate truly was a fundamental. Wow, the system. The government. The system may not be. The system yeah. may not be as as right as we've always believed ourselves to be, even though we put blinders on. Mm-hmm. We knew there was stuff going on as it is, but this truly just like there's there's no escaping it. We've got to acknowledge it. And We've been
0: taught that there was a revolutionary war fought a, yes to, against monarchy, and Watergate was a prime example of just abuse of power.
1: There is yeah, there is a there is a a cynicism in in book four, and again, mm. that's not. On comics on the whole, but that's reflective of the people at the times and and at the street level. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and Phil's trying to get the truth. Phil's trying to prove Spider-Man's innocence because Phil believes in the Mm Marvels. And he really believes that, you know, despite other people. And people think Phil's kind of crazy at that point. He's just like, look, you know, these people have saved us time and time again and we want to take them down. Don't you think that's wrong? And the guy's like, nah, nah, I think you're wrong, (laughs) Phil. And this, I think, is really the crux of the whole story is that, yes... People are like that. People are not, I won't say that they're not good, but I think this story does a really good job of, of kind of capturing humanity, which is we're only as good as our circumstances. hmm You know, <clears throat> <clears throat> when well, we have food and shelter and, and the odd piece of ass every now and again, okay, we're pretty content and we can mm-hmm. be charitable and we can be forgiving. Right. Um,
0: but take that away. But take that away, and then and you're we gonna, can really you're blame the person saying, that took yes. it away from you.
1: Or also too, we can eventually become jealous and yeah. envious and distrustful, and yeah. and I think that's that's the deal of it too. Phil is not crazy, right? Everybody else is just um, a mass too cool for a school cynic, mm-hmm. and Phil is almost Phil, and Phil's kind of looked at as the geek of oh god, you want a happy ending for everything, don't you? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's in some ways is the crux of the story, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he, he goes on and then I love the scene when he interviews Doc Ock in jail Yeah, and Doc Ock is just, he tells him he killed Captain Stacy, but he doesn't,
0: but he doesn't actually, yeah. He
1: just kind of <laughs> writes like, like, like I never lose control. I never do this. You know, don't try to match wits with me photographer, you know, and <laughs> It's it's a great bit, and there's also little bits too. Like he he interviews uh, Luke Cage, the hero yes. for hire, this new hero, mm-hmm. and um,
0: who might be coming to Netflix sometime soon.
1: Yes, exactly. Also at the beginning of it too, he interviews the uh, the the little uh, kids up in Harlem, and he asks them about the Falcon, mm-hmm. who had already been at the time. And those kids are like, yeah, he ain't no black <laughs> hero. He's white <laughs> in the inside, which is exactly what Sam was going through in the Captain America comics mm. at that time. Okay. There was, yeah, you know, he he would go he would be uptown and he was called an Uncle Tom. Interesting. You know, he was he was really looked upon and he tried to be all like, look, I'm not his step of fetching I'm not a Stephen efficient sidekick. I'm uh-huh. his partner. Right. And Cap would be all like, "He's my partner. Right. He is not my sidekick. He's yeah. not anything to it." And but he
0: was viewed as a sidekick. He was that very,
1: he was very much viewed. He was yeah. viewed as a sellout. Mm. And and Sam struggled with this. Mm. And of course, you know,
0: how do you walk next to Captain America and not be considered a sidekick? Yeah, That's it's the it, thing. It's, he's larger than life.
1: It's it's it's, it's pretty hard. And um, as
0: much as Cap will say he's your equal, <laughs> most people aren't going to believe you.
1: And I will I will go on record and I'll say I I really do like the cinematic version of the Falcon. Mm-hmm. I um uh, I yeah he's superb mm-hmm. superb in execution. They granted they they flush most of his backstory, but I think like his character works the same. But uh yeah but again this this is again this is the end of the sixties and the beginning of the seventies. Right when the hippie movement died and everybody was angry Mm-hmm. and they didn't know over what, but everybody was just kind of everybody was just not revolutionary way in the 60s where they wanted to overthrow society or whatever. Everybody just accepted things were shitty and they Mm -hmm. were pissy about it. Yeah. That was the early 70s to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And... That's why I joke around. I say, like, well, you know, disco kind of saved the world.
0: (laughs) Because it had no political affiliation. Yeah, no
1: political affiliation, (laughs) and it was like, hey, music, let's dance. Mm -hmm. Come on, screw it. Let's have some fun, you know, and white people started dancing, and then, you know, everything cooled off.
0: So Doc Ock somewhat admits to the killing of Captain Stacy, leading Phil to interview the daughter of Captain Stacy, which in the comic books is a huge character, Gwen Stacy. Uh in the movie, she's portrayed by Emma Stone. Um, they talk and talk. It's an interesting depiction of Gwen Stacy as this beautiful and innocent uh, and and just lover of life uh, character.
1: This redeemed Gwen Stacy for me okay. so much. So you weren't a big
0: Gwen fan?
1: No i I thought she was mawkish. Mm-hmm. I thought she was. She had no personality, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. She was very pretty, mm-hmm. but I thought she was vapid. Not, not in, a, in a stupid sort of sense, but she just wasn't interesting to okay. me. Because and it's
0: contrasted with Mary Jane Watson.
1: There was a little bit of that. Now, people don't understand. Mary Jane Watson was around at the time, too. Mm-hmm. But people don't understand. Mary Jane Watson was, uh, was a complete bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: She Yeah, people don't understand, too. They think that they're together now. But Mary Jane Watson was Lucy... To Mm -hmm. Peter Parker's Charlie Brown
0: oh okay
1: she was she was kind of there Mm -hmm. she kind of she semi flirted with him but she flirted with everybody okay she was not that she was in a slutty sort of way but Mm -hmm. but she she was she was the one that would say hey everybody let's go uptown this club and then would ditch you you know not with she would just say oh this place is boring let's go where's Peter who cares you know mm. that 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 was Mary Jane. Okay. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't wasn't that she was like out to get you or everything. It's mm-hmm. just that
0: she didn't think of other she, people. No, she did not. Interesting. She
1: really really did not. Mm-hmm. And and Peter called her out on this like in the seventies. Uh, hmm. Actually called her out on it after when when Gwen Stacy like died and right. when Gwen died it actually. Turn to point and Mary Jane Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger Stern, one of my favorite cape writers of all time, and he would later go on to collaborate with Busaic on the sequel to Marbles, mm-hmm. he always said Gwen was the girl Peter was supposed to marry. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, that's the only thing that I I, I differentiate in him on. Maybe in the sense that she was safe. I don't mm-hmm. know. To me, she just she was very pretty, she's very sweet, she's very innocent, but to me. And it could just be my own projections. She's not somebody that I would want to spend the rest of my life with. And also, too, she was kind of used as whenever some shit would go down, mm-hmm. Peter would be like, I got changed as Spider-Man. She, Gwen would always be, no, Peter, don't leave me. I'm scared. Right. And when Captain Stacy died, of course, she blamed Spider-Man for that. And she mm-hmm. said, I hate Spider-Man. Every time something bad happens, he's around or whatever. And mm-hmm. and it seemed like she she was there to make Peter's life miserable, mm. you know, and, and 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 not even this the way that you could argue that Aunt May's job was to do that too. It's like, oh no, I gotta get the medicine to Aunt May. Oh mm-hmm. no, another heart attack. I just, good lord, you yeah. know. And uh, she also
0: hated that dreadful Spider-Man. Yes, yes. She <laughs> and she did. also had a thing for Otto Octavius.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to that later, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's just. And again, too, when I really began reading comics, Gwen was already dead. So all mm-hmm. my exposure to Me her too. was was in the reprints and right. stuff like that. And I think the third story I ever read about Gwen Stacy was the it was the issue when, when she dies. Mm. <laughs> so it's just kind of like when I when I really started reading Spider Man, Mary Jane was the closest thing to kind of had to a girlfriend, but it was really more of a friends not even mm-hmm. a friend with benefits it was like a friend with flirtation mm-hmm. that they had yeah so uh, but she was a bit of a ballbuster mm-hmm. even then but um yeah yeah it's it's uh, so so basically so getting back to this so they you... pre- they present her in a way that okay I could see why people would think that that, that she's attractive mm-hmm. yes because you know what I look at uh, look at her in this and be all like you know what she's very she's very sweet she would probably be an amazing partner in life, and Mm -hmm. she would probably be, like, the greatest mom ever. Mm -hmm. Like, she is definitely, you know, the old game, you know, shag, marry, and kill. It's just like, okay, you know, it's like you'd marry Gwen Stacy and you'd shag the hell out of of Mary Jane. (laughs) Mary Jane. And um, in this, her, her, her innocence is not mawkish. Her innocence is not played to kind of dumb her down. She truly just seems to be this... This character that kind of enjoys life, and there's a weirdness too. Like like Phil seem Phil seems reinvigorated by her, mm-hmm. her freshness as it is. Because again, too, at the time, everybody is like the world sucks, and there's nothing I can do about it. So screw it. Right. And she really is a ray of optimism and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Right? And and, and not, it sounds not, not like the way, sort of you, way the
0: way you described her is that she's in this story paralleling her relationship with Peter. Yeah. Because Peter is like, oh, life isn't so bad. I've got this beautiful looking girl and she's a sweetheart and yada, yada. And Phil sees that in her as well. Yes. Um, he
1: even says that too. So I don't know what she sees in that twerp Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and then so there's this scene that I have to mention, the Easter egg you pointed out, mm-hmm. where Atlantis is invading uh, the streets of New York. Uh, and one of the flying contraptions appears to be housing... Night owl and silk specter in one of its windows, <laughs> which,
1: which for those that, of course, is from the Watchmen, which is mm-hmm. a D.C. property. Yes. So. And uh... I
0: never noticed it until this recording today that you pointed out to me. But and look, I
1: didn't notice until I reread this. I read this last look week. Look closely. And
0: it is. Uh, what is the night owl's flying contraption? Do you remember what it was I called? Think it's just called the owl. OK, so it's the owl. Uh, it does very much look like the owl flying over the streets of New York uh, right near the Flatiron building. And uh, look in that window. One of those windows has both Silk Spectre and Night Owl.
1: And if you want to get really meta contextually geeky, you remember too that The Watchmen was supposed to originally be based on, was really going to be the Charlton characters when DC bought them out. Charlton mm-hmm. was a company in the 60s. Right. The Charlton characters, uh, one of them was Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Blue Beetle yeah. was designed or redesigned by Steve Ditko right after he quit Spider-Man, mm. and basically was, all right, well, I want to keep doing sort of Spider-Man-esque stories, so Blue Beetle was a slightly more superhero-y version of Spider-Man.
0: So Ditgo's version of Blue Beetle was the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Yes. And then that had a very similar flying contraption. Yeah,
1: he had, he had he had a, a big flying bug, mm-hmm. and in the comics, he does all those Spider-Man, Ditko-y, crazy, like, Backwards flip while kicking a guy, acrobatic mm-hmm. uh, stuff that only Ditko could could pull off and make seem believable. Mm-hmm. It's like Ditko; all of his heroes look like they're made of rubber, but he makes it believable.
0: <laughs> so this uh, this story continues, um, and there's there's this uh, very um, amicable relationship that Phil and Gwen sort of develop, and then cut to. A little bit later, Green Goblin kidnaps an unconscious Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this leads to the iconic fight between Spider Man and Green Goblin above the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, it
1: wasn't even really so much of a fight as much as he just kind of throws her off and, ha ha ha.
0: And... Right. Uh, knocks off Gwen Stacy. Uh, Spider Man attempts to save her with his webbing. And then there's that uh, unfortunate snap of the neck as a result of the impact. Of the catching of her body, mm-hmm. uh, Gwen Stacy dies. Phil Sheldon is an eyewitness to the whole um, event, and, and he uh,
1: still believes at that point. It's like, no, he'll save her. He's got to save her, right? And then, then, which
0: readers reading that story felt the same way?
1: Yeah. And then when he didn't, Phil is absolutely crestfallen. Right. He's crestfallen that that this girl that that he really you know took a very much a shine to. Um, who kind of reinvigorated his his faith in life than mm-hmm. everything else you know was failed by the marbles who he had you know he had kind of in his own way kind of worshiped from afar and he was their chronicler and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah and he and, and the rest of this it is interesting too because since it wraps up the storyline mm-hmm. i feel it does not end on a on a negative note mm-hmm. life does kind of of go on. Yeah. And, and again, too, people have said, people have argued that it's a deconstructionist story in the sense that you know, like Phil realizes he's, he's wasted his, his life and following them and everything else. And I, I disagree. I think the whole point, of the more that the story is, is that, and this is the context of Marvel's in general. And I think that the root of it, it is reconstructionist in the sense that Phil is still at the end of the day, a regular guy. Mm-hmm. He is a, a regular he's a good man. Um, mm-hmm. he's a regular guy. And it's not that he loses faith. It's just that he just can't keep up. Mm. And this this works almost on two levels. One in a, in a in a storytelling sense, it's like he can't keep up in that he's just not superhuman. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he's not a hero the way the heroes are. Right. Spider Man has to keep going. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man has quit so many times, you know, but he has to keep going because at the end of the day, he has great power. Mm -hmm. And the day that he did, wasn't responsible with it changed his life forever. Yeah. And the most important man he ever knew died because of it. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and, and Tony Stark, you know, it's like squandered, you know, his life making bombs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when he lost his heart and had to build a machine to keep himself alive, Mm -hmm. he realized I have this technology. I need to do it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a, to me. It's like the idea of not everybody can be a hero the way the heroes are. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying anything bad about people. It's just that for one reason or another, these characters keep going because they have to and because they're heroes. Right. And it's nothing against them, as so it, in some ways it kind of reestablishes that, yeah, for whatever their motivations, they keep going, whether it's guilt or a sense of honor or just a sense of decency, mm-hmm. the Marvels and the heroes keep going. Phil is just a regular guy, and he's like, "Wow, well, I just can't keep up with you guys. I tried for a long time, as it is, but uh, I think I think this is where I'm just going to have to check out. Yeah. Now, on a meta-contextual level, mm-hmm. you could argue Phil is the fan, Phil is the comic book reader mm-hmm. and for a lot of people at that I know for a lot of people at the time guys who were still like in college age and in their 20s still reading comics which was something that people didn't do back then but again mm-hmm. Silver Age Marvel Comics got college students interested in still reading this stuff yeah for a lot of people Gwen Stacy's death kind of was a stopping point mm-hmm. um and again, some for some people it was, and there have been various other stopping points in history where some people have said, "You know what? I just can't keep up because it's just it's it's too crazy." Sure. You know, for me at DC, it was New Fifty Two. It mm-hmm. was just like a point of I still read them, mm-hmm. but my emotional connection to it. Yeah. Uh, it's not even like severed. It's just literally, it was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm getting off the bus here.
0: Yeah. I you know? feel the same way.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just like, you know what? You're stopping the bus and, oh, we're going to bring this new stuff. People, you know what? While you're bringing people to the front door, I'm just going to quietly walk out mm-hmm. the back door yeah. and the bus will move on. And I'll mm-hmm. if it's that important, I'll, catch it when it comes around again but this is where I get
0: up. Yeah I've moved more towards an episodic view of comic books after the new 52 and potentially now with Marvel if they're gonna redo the the continuity as well because before especially in our heyday of collecting and reading it was oh this is crossing over with this comic I wanna learn more about that character and this and that and this and that. I gotta get it. If you're gonna wipe out continuity I was like well then what am I investing in? Yeah. Why? Why continue?
1: And let's not forget, continuity has been so demonized, right? Now. Uh, but that's that's it's definitely the a bane topic of for every writer's a, existence. But yeah, I think the, the, Phil's story, and mm-hmm. again, it does continue because uh, they they he did ten years later do uh, well, actually more than ten years later he did eventually do a, a sequel to Marvels or Busaic at least wrote one um, with, under a different artist. It, it definitely it's it ends it ends on a high note, and I think mm-hmm. it does end on the high note too of. Um, Optimism the, the, of the future. Well, that and the fact of the matter is is that things go forward. And I, yeah. I, I think that's also another uh, meta-contextual sense, too. of, you, Maybe you, you have a favorite character mm-hmm. and you're disillusioned as to how they are done. Like, mm-hmm. for me, Civil War is still the benchmark of the lowest of the low for what happened with these characters. Mm-hmm. But they still press on. Mm-hmm they're still gonna go on and they may still get dragged to the mud but as long as they're still out there as long as they're still in print mm-hmm. okay they may yet rise and they may yet rise and then something may happen to them that like oh wow stories involving Captain America that that oh hey I'm interested in reading these stories you know mm-hmm. I'll come on back to it you know for 20 years I had no interest whatsoever in Daredevil just none. And the past mm-hmm. couple of years, Mark Wade's run brought me back. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely adore it because Mark, uh, uh, Wade was, had the attitude of, you know what? All this, po- everybody's been, for 20 years, people have been trying to ape Frank Miller. Yeah. You know? And people are forgetting that before Frank Miller, Daredevil was a superhero. Yeah. Let's do superhero stories again. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: by George, it absolutely worked. It was mm-hmm. a fresh and revigorating take as in a And I think, I think that's that's I think that's kind of the message for me that's the message I take away from Marvel's, which is if you love these characters or a team or whatever you don't don't feel beholden to hurt yourself by oh I gotta keep reading them even though I I hate them mm-hmm. you know it's like if you hate what's going on in Avengers you don't have to to read it, you right, know, right. it's like come back to it when you hear it's good, or it's a new mm-hmm. team on board, or you know,
0: everything yeah. seems to happen in cycles. Yeah, there's so gonna if be... you don't like that a certain character is dead, wait till they bring him back.
1: Exactly, exactly. You don't, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to fester, you don't have to to twist, and you don't have to, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. to be all like, oh God, I hate this guy. I wish he would go. I hate ways doing with the characters. It's like, then don't read it. Right. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to walk away. You. It's not. It's not betraying. It's not betraying your love for the characters, and it's not even betraying, unless you're truly a completist, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, I, I have every issue of this book, and right. every appearance of this character, I gotta keep going with it. I can understand that, the, but um, you don't have to read it, which Mar- I know is a, is kind of against, it's kind of like one of my cardinal rules about, you know, you know well, you, if you buy it, then you ought to read it, you know, but I'm mm-hmm. like, but if it's not giving you pleasure, sure, it's okay to walk away from
0: it. Yeah. The um the Marvel's story in of itself ends with uh, Phil just randomly picking out a paper boy to take a photo with, and um it's a little bit of a dated reference since it was written in it, the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, but, I, it's um, weird
1: because I I did not know because I was not reading the the I was not reading the book. Mm-hmm. Because it was very, very, very nineties. Yeah, I did
0: like that run of Ghost Rider, but uh, to to let you know that you don't. I know, wasn't gonna give it away, but uh, okay. I'll give it away. I'll <laughs> give it away. It's go. You gotta know because we're reviewing it. Right. Spoilers up the yin yang in this episode. We're we're going through well, everything. So. We
1: talked about the original comics <laughs> that these spun off from. We're not talking about necessarily giving away details of right. Phil's reactions. But I Man's think
0: reaction. the the point of this interaction is from Phil's perspective, this yeah. is just a nice young ordinary kid, and at the time, he's absolutely right. He is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nothing special about him. Yeah. He will grow up to eventually get the powers of Ghost Rider and become the second Ghost Rider. Apropos, since he's riding a bicycle as a paper boy,
1: or maybe the two thousand four hundred seventy eighth Ghost Rider, if you have modern continuity. This yeah, he's been a Ghost Rider, right?
0: So he's the Ghost Rider of the nineteen nineties. Yeah, <laughs> is who Danny Ketch is, uh, and that's how the story ends up. um but uh, Phil
1: Phil decides to retire. His mm-hmm. wife's just like Phil. Can we go to Florida? It's kind of nice there, right? And he finally is just like, oh good lord, I've I have, and again, a, a metaphor for modern comic book collectors and stuff too. His wife has tolerated his passion and his hobby and everything else, and uh he's finally like, you know what? I you've dealt with my my nerdiness in this. Yes, I do owe you a a, a nice retirement in Florida, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I I owe you this. You've tolerated my nonsense for
0: so long. So don't miss out on the trade Marvels, whether you're a comic book fan or not, or you want to recommend this to a non-comic book fan. It's uh, for just about everyone, especially with the accessibility of the Marvel Cinematic Universe today. Uh, I think... uh, Anyone can get a kick out of this. Check out the trades. Check out in the back of the trade, you've got a lot of the uh, the photo references and such. I just flipping through these um, rough sketches. Look, there's a there's a Iron Man using his repulsor rays as stabilizers, which I had not seen until yeah. the uh, Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of stuff to check out and appreciate in a post Marvel Cinematic Universe world.
1: It's just uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a delightful read. It's an it, it's it's an interesting read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it in the '90s when things kind of hit the fan, it was to me as a, as a longtime collector, it was definitely a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, just in terms of it acknowledged the history, and again too, the the miracle of marbles was just doing it at the time Mm -hmm. and doing it as a period piece and comics have always been driven by trying to appeal to the 14 to 22 year old mentality Mm -hmm. and history is not really one of their strong points um and that's what just makes this like so much more miraculous i mean it was it was amazing that it got published at all Mm -hmm. and And, of course, it became a huge hit. But, again, like like most great things, Mm -hmm. the people approving it were scared crapless. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't know, George. Can't you call it, like, Space War instead? Mm. Uh, (laughs) You know? Star Wars sounds too much like Star Trek. And Star Trek got canceled. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah
0: can't have that
1: you know you know a, a point for years mm-hmm. before the keaton batman movie mm-hmm. literally in in the in this in the late 70s early 80s they tried to get a batman and robin movie made mm-hmm. and one warner brothers executive literally turned it down was because look we, we made a movie called robin and Marion, which was a sean connery um uh, uh a sean connery a robin, uh, hood. robin hood movie yeah. um a very good one at that uh-huh. um it's kind of like the Dark Knight of uh, Robin movies. but uh, it's like like we made a movie called Robin and and Marion, and it was disaster. So and that was the reason for, for not greenlighting a Batman and Robin movie just based on the th- that had Robin Incredible. the word Robin in the title. Amazing, and that that's 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 what yeah that that's what it will continuously amazes me about you know the things that we. Look back on now in pop culture and stuff. They're like, well, of course that was magnificent and that was a success. And mm-hmm. it's just like, wow,
0: that just you know,
1: just a uh, flap of an, of, an of, a, of a butterfly's wings could have changed the universe mm-hmm. and that had never had never come true.
0: Right. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us.
1: And thanks for having me uh, having me on again. This sure, was a, this was my, a treat as my always.
0: Pleasure. I'm glad you could be a part of an excellent, excellent trade uh it is it is receiving my highest recommendation
1: and again there is there is a a sequel to this mm-hmm. uh we will go into that uh, in, in a future date um mm-hmm. like i said it's a different artist but um phil's story continues and concludes mm-hmm. um with it and uh it's 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 an interesting read in its own right but i, w- I will honestly say though it's it may not be as iconic right. and, as as this one mm-hmm. but, it's, but it's an entertaining read but we'll we'll go into that in a future episode
0: yeah, listen to uh, the old episodes on Made in the Trades. Subscribe on your podcast app. Also, subscribe to Cluster Fudge, which is every Tuesday.
1: And also, I got my own uh, page called Come Get Some, uh, some being the symbol Sigma, and uh, soon to be a webcast series, uh, hopefully debuting in, I'll say, late summer, but I'm hoping for mid-summer.
0: midsummer and of uh, host, of this,
1: host of this show, uh, Mr. Forbes, will be one of my uh, rotating uh, panelists on the show.
0: Fantastic. I'll, I'll gladly do it. Mm. All right. So. Well, I hope
1: so. I just called you out on it. <laughs> I know. In your show. <laughs> now you're
0: going to be on my show. Oh,
1: what? You said you would be on, the, on your podcast. Er, yeah.
0: Uh, what? Okay. (laughs) Take care. Bye.